Thank you so much for joining us today on YouTube. If you haven't already, go ahead and click that subscribe button down below so you can stay up to date with all that Church on the Hill has going on. If you haven't already, also follow us on social media, either Instagram or Facebook, both Church on the Hill and our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the message. Listen, I want to tell you just a, a, a minute or two of my story, and, uh, and then I'm going to jump into the Word, if that's okay with you. So uh, at, uh, you know, 18 years old, I was an atheist, and I, I didn't grow up in the church, and, and I had a powerful encounter, a miracle encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I decided, you know what, God's probably real then. And so I changed my vote pretty quick. When you have an encounter with God, everything changes, right? And so it wasn't long after that that I, uh, I started to encounter the Lord in uh, various areas of the miraculous, and really what it came down to, and I want to encourage you with this, it came down to me reading the Bible seeing things in the Bible and saying, well, if it's in the Word of God, it's got to be true. Because it's the same Bible that says John 3, 16, that for all, I mean, that God so loved the all, he so loved that he gave his only son. I saw that in the Word. That's how I got saved. I got saved because of truths from the Bible. Same for you. Well, but there's a whole lot of other truths. And there's this God that does miracles. And so I started to go on this journey of of recognizing the things that we see in the Bible are real. And I wanted to encounter them. And so when we start talking about this uh, concept of the God of miracles, uh, I actually want to go a little bit different direction with that thought process than maybe we're at first thinking. I want to talk about encountering the God of miracles. I want to talk about experiencing those miracles and, and getting to be part of it and partnering with God because most of the miracles in the Bible, not all, but most of them, God uses a human. You know that? Most of the time, God uses a person to get the thing done. And so it's actually a partnership between us and him, and it's beautiful. Well, time went on, and uh, I helped uh, back in 2005, uh, my future wife, now wife, uh, and I helped uh, plant and be part of Church on the Hill in those early days. And something interesting happened not long after we started Church on the Hill. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about another assignment uh, that he also wanted me to carry that I've been carrying the last 15 years. One day I was sitting on my couch and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, start a daily prayer meeting tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and don't stop until I come back. And so we started, I, I was not a prayer guy particularly. I mean, you know, I was a prayer guy as much as the next, but I, I wasn't a get up at every day at 5 a.m. prayer guy. And, uh, but we started a prayer meeting that next morning. Guys, that was September 13th, 2005. And we have never missed a day, not one day ever in 15 years. And that prayer ministry then grew. And now I'll just throw this out as a shameless plug if you're ever bored on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, we have live worship 20 hours a day, seven days a week to King Jesus. So it's a ministry with people coming from all across the city and we're worshiping Jesus and we're, we're praying for the local church. We're praying for the congregations of the saints. We're praying for dreams and visions. We're praying for the Holy Spirit to move. We're asking God for a third great awakening in our nation. It's an incredible little room that you can go to 20 hours a day, stick your head in for five minutes or five hours, read your Bible, cry, pray the, the prayers, that are, you know, pray along with those that are praying, sing along with those that are singing. It's an incredible environment. And the reason that I'm so grateful for that, and I would even tie it in here, is I have found that the deeper my prayer life goes, the deeper my dream life goes. And so I want to connect those uh, this morning. 
So if I can, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to use the word of God to minister to us and to teach us this morning, amen? Amen. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. We know you're already here, but we pray, start doing stuff. Move in our hearts. Highlight words from the scripture. Let testimonies ring true. We pray, Holy Spirit, move within us this morning. Take us a little step further. Take us closer and teach us about dreams in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning is entitled, the God, uh, uh, God of Miracles is the series. I've entitled the message, Encountering God Through Dreams, and I want to talk about that word, encounter. For me, you know, having my background, uh, not growing up in the church, and then having a powerful encounter with the Lord, which is what brought me to Jesus, I just was convinced early God is real. Like, he's not a religion. You know, he's not an idea. He's real. He's a real person with you know, he, he's got real thoughts and emotions and desires, and he does stuff. And, and so for me, from day one, I've wanted to know him. I've wanted to encounter the living God, not once at salvation. I want to encounter him every day if he's real. I mean, if he's a real person, then that means I can have a real relationship with him. And I'm not talking about a relationship like I come to Sunday, you know, church, and I, I have a moment with him, and then I wait a whole week before I have another moment with him. I'm talking about a relationship. I mean, he lives in me, so it's not like he could get any closer. I mean, if you're looking for a best friend, he's inside of you, okay? I mean, it's, he's pretty close. I wanted to encounter him. And so this, uh, for me, when I talk about miracles, I am thinking, and specifically dreams, I'm thinking about not just how do I have a dream, not just how do I interpret a dream, and by the way, a little sneak preview, today's not gonna be a dream interpretation time. I, I wanna advertise the God who gives dreams. And I want to encourage us to go after that God. I want to encourage us to go after God who gives dreams, but gives them so that we can encounter him, so that we can know him. Now, if we can, let's turn in the word. I've got Genesis 20 here, uh, 20 verse 3, and then also 28 verse 12 in a moment. And turning here to Genesis, here's what I found when I first got saved. I started reading the Bible. Nobody told me where else to start, so I started at the beginning of the book. I started reading Genesis. And by the way, I think that's a great plan, okay? Just read the book, cover to cover. It's a good spot. The whole thing is a good deal. I start reading the Word of God, and I I start recognizing it seems like people have dreams a lot in the Bible, like kind of a normal thing. And I started to become convinced early on having dreams is part of what it means to be a Christian, or at least it can be. So here, Genesis chapter 20, uh, verse 3. Look how big that screen is. That is just glorious. Okay, But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night, and he said to him, you're as good as dead because of the woman that you have taken. She's a married woman. Now, here's a lost king having a dream from God. So I just want to say this. If the lost guys can have dreams from God, for sure we can. Amen? Okay? And in this particular dream, it's actually God's kindness. He's warning him, you know, I'd prefer not to kill you tomorrow. I mean, I will, but I don't want to. And if you'll just listen to this dream, and he does, he responds right. Look at Genesis 28, verse 12. This is talking about Jacob, so that's the he here. Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Can you just imagine how wild of a dream that is? He's seeing like a a window into heaven, and he's, he's asleep, 
I mean, he's totally out in the middle of the night, and he's having this encounter. He's seeing angels, and he's having this encounter. I just imagine if you're Jacob and you wake up from that dream, you feel pretty encountered by God. You know, you wake up, and you're just like, man, God is real. Heaven is real. Angels and demons are real. This is, this is real. Here's what I think dreams can be for us, and I think it's part of the intention of the Lord. I think it can make heaven all the more real. I think dreams can make the kingdom of God all the more real. The relationship that we have with God all the more real. The, the word of, uh, of God all the more real. Following the Holy Spirit and fellowshipping with the Lord all the more real. I just want to know the real God, and I want that to be the basis of my life. I'm grateful that I get to pastor and teach, but really who I am, I want to be somebody that knows and loves God, and I think you are too. I think, I, I mean, I know Pastor Adam and Ms. Jamie, and I know the culture that's being cultivated around here is to know the living God for real, not just serve him, but to know him. Yeah. Dreams are an on-ramp to know him. Look at this verse in Numbers 12. Notice I kind of started at the beginning of the Bible. We're kind of marching through a little bit. Okay, so Numbers uh, 12, 6, we've got that one. Awesome. Man, you guys are on the ball back there, sound booth. Okay, look at this. God says, hey, um, when I speak to a prophet, you know, prophets are kind of cool. I like prophets. When I speak to a prophet, I actually speak to them in dreams as the primary way that I speak to them. And I recognize that that's kind of uh, mysterious and it requires a little bit of, uh, of prayer and, and focus. But when I speak to a prophet, I actually like to talk to them when they're asleep. Let me read it. Listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, among you I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions, I speak to them in dreams. Now, this is so interesting that God would even choose to use dreams as one of the primary ways that he speaks to prophets, like, you know, the big capital P prophet guys. This is a way that God loves to speak. I always think it's kind of funny because he picks when we're like the most vulnerable and we can't argue, right? You're asleep. You're totally out. You're doing nothing. I mean, you are the epitome of nothing when you're asleep. You're just out. And God's like, oh, good, now you won't get in the way. Okay, now I can speak to you because you won't, you know, try to put anything else into it. You won't, it won't be a stumbling block. It won't be a hindrance. God says this, I speak through dreams. I just, I want us to, I want that to kind of resonate a little bit because even though we may not, for some of us in this room, be used to that, it doesn't mean it's not real. Even though there might be some of us in this room that are like, I don't know that I've ever heard God speak to me in dreams. There is such a thing as God speaking through dreams. God does it. He says he does it. And the Bible is filled with it. That's really, if, if I got a message this morning, it's I want us to go after this. I think God has got a lot more he wants to give us. And I, a little bit later, I'm going to share some stories, some testimonies, some dreams. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 1 and 2. This is funny, okay? Matthew 1 and 2 is a bit of a trip to me. This is the passage of, of Scripture that's really all about how do we get Jesus, who's first in the womb, and then he's young and nursing, how do we get him to not die? Okay, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. How do we keep him from dying? Because there was a lot of opposition against Jesus, all right? I mean, his whole life, but especially at his birth. Do you know that in the span of one chapter, starts at the end of chapter one, and goes through the end of chapter two. Do you know in one chapter's worth of information, it's like two pages in your Bible, there are five dreams given to one dude? Five dreams, and all about one thing, trying to protect Jesus. Let's read it. We got Matthew 1, verse 20. Awesome. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. It's Joseph the, uh, uh, who married Mary. The Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
Then we go just a little bit later. Matthew 2, verse 12. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they, this is the Magi, returned to their own country by another route. These are all details related to the birth of Jesus and protecting him. Because if the Magi would have gotten caught, then Herod would have known exactly where to go to get Jesus. So this is all about protecting Jesus. Then to verse 13. This is just another verse later. It's the next verse. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. This is now dream three. We're only like eight verses in or something. Next, verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Then, Matthew 2, 22, Archelaus was reigning in Judea in the place of his father Herod. Having been warned in a dream, he, this is Joseph again, withdrew to the district of Galilee. Okay, now, listen, I'm just saying this. If you're Joseph, you think God talks to you in dreams. I mean, by this point, because you're hearing reports that the Magi are having dreams, everybody's having, the donkey's having dreams. I mean, it's the most dreaminous season, and it's all about keeping Jesus safe. Now, for me, I look at this and I go, it doesn't get any more foundation of Christianity than the birth of Jesus. And the birth of Jesus is marked five dreams in like 20 verses. <laughs> the birth of Jesus is marked by the activity of God giving people dreams. Now, when I read the Bible, I'm looking at the Bible not just for encouragement. I'm looking at the Bible for how to live, how to treat my wife, what I should expect, how I carry myself, my character. I'm looking at the word of God to instruct me about how to do a Tuesday. You know, I want to know how to live. And we go to the most basic uh, starting point of biblical Christianity, the birth of Jesus. And boy, you just can't escape it. Dream, 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 dream. I think that the Lord is trying to communicate to us that he wants to speak in dreams. Well, Let's go to Joel 2.28. You guys know the Joel 2.28 passage. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's re-quoted in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit falls. But here's what I've always found so interesting about this. When God thinks, I'm going to pour out my spirit. I'm going to like, I'm going to go level 10. I am going to pour out everything I got. I'm going to give them my spirit without measure. I'm going to give my spirit in great abundance. When God is processing and thinking, I'm going to pour out my spirit, it includes giving people dreams. <laughs> so, I mean, this is like, again, it's fundamentals of like who God is and how he thinks and how he views the activity of the Holy Spirit. I know this church to be a church that flows in the Holy Spirit. Because of that, we want to get as much as we can get out of God. I mean, we want to be in full partnership with him and what he's willing to give. I'm telling you, he is willing to give dreams. Look at this passage, Acts 2.28. If you like Acts 2 better, it says the same thing. It's Peter quoting Joel 2.28 on the day of Pentecost. But here it is. Afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Ooh, I like that. We're going to prophesy. But then he says how they're going to prophesy. He starts to give a couple of highlight points of ways he's really going to communicate. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. Here's, here's my premise here today. I'm confident that God gives dreams and he loves to give dreams. It's his idea. It's not our idea. It's, what, it's a way that he likes to communicate. 
I just think that's so fun and funny and his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. Like, who would do that? I mean, if you were ruling a kingdom, would you do it this way? Would you wait till somebody fell asleep to talk to them? I mean, this whisper sweet nothings in their ear. I mean, but this is how God does it. God loves to give dreams. And the word is filled with this. I can remember being, you know, young in my faith. 2000, uh, you know, 99, 2000, those years. I remember finding all these Bible verses and not really having any dreams, at least not any that I understood, and going, God, this seems to be a normal part of Christianity. I mean, at least in my Bible, it seems to be something that happens a lot, not a few times. I mean, dozens and dozens, maybe a hundred or more times. I mean, there's a lot of dreams in the Bible. I, I want dreams. And I just felt the pleasure of the Lord on that little revelation. That thought process of, I don't have, I'm going to ask God. And we know what the word says about those who ask God. He gives generously without finding fault. He loves it. But we don't want to ask God for stuff that's not in the Bible. We want to ask God for stuff that is in the Bible. I'm telling you, God gives dreams. He wants to give you dreams, but we do need to ask. And if we ask, he'll give us even more. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the purposes of dreams in the kingdom. You know, God is, he's a father, he's savior, he's the wisest ever. I mean, he's so smart, but he's also running a kingdom. And so he's orchestrating a kingdom and he uses a lot of different tools. He uses a lot of different uh, methods and ways to get his kingdom done. One of those methods is he gives dreams to his people to accomplish stuff, to make stuff happen. I love the stuff making happen God. I just, I love, he loves, he loves to make stuff happen on the planet and he loves partnership. He loves it when we will partner with him uh, to see those purposes go forth. Dreams are crazy. They're fun. They're frustrating as all get out. Frustrating. Like, Lord, what the heck was that all about? But they're part of the kingdom. And I'll tell you this, I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Even if it's a little frustrating, even if it's a journey, even if it takes some energy, if it takes some prayer and some fasting and some journaling and some... I don't want to throw out an encounter with God. And it's, it's funny because God loves hunger. He loves spiritual hunger. And, and what's a little frustrating when we feel a bit apathetic is God will allow us, at least for a season, to operate in that apathy and not hunger. And then we actually miss out on stuff we could have had. Because he loves hunger. He responds to hunger. It's, it's a really interesting scenario. So let me just give you a few of the purposes that dreams share uh, because there's, there's a lot of them. One, I have found so many dreams, God will give the human spirit in order to understand ourselves better. I've found that so many times that the Lord will give a dream and he's revealing motives of my heart I didn't even realize. He'll give a dream and he's showing me things about the way that I think, the way that I feel, desires of my heart that I, I wasn't even fully in tune with. Many times the Lord will give dreams to actually help us understand ourselves better. You know, he is the counselor. So, I mean, if you want a free counseling session, just go to sleep, have a dream, wake up. Okay, you got me? All right, he is a counselor. He wants us to help us understand ourselves better. Second, to encourage us. Anytime God talks, it's the best. I mean, anytime he talks, if he uses that donkey and you hear a donkey talk, and it's God that anointed that donkey, man. You just had some fellowship with the Holy Spirit listening to a donkey talk. 
He loves to speak, and every time he does, it's encouraging to us. It is an encouragement. Dreams are intended to encourage. 1 Corinthians tells us that the gift of prophecy is primarily given to encourage and to exhort. So dreams is part of prophecy. It's part of God speaking to encourage us. Next, to confirm things to us. Oh, my goodness, there are some times where if we could just get the Lord to kind of nudge us a little. <laughs> you ever been in one of those moments you're trying to make a decision, you're pretty close, but you're not quite sure, and you really want a little bit of a uh, kind of a nudge push you over the, the edge? Dreams can do that. The Lord can release dreams to us that can actually confirm things that we were already thinking, hoping, praying, believing for. I've heard countless testimonies and experienced that myself of the Lord confirming dreams or, or using dreams to confirm things in my life that he wanted me to do. There are some times where the Lord tells us the future. Straight up tells us the future in a dream. How crazy is that? But remember, the Lord said when I speak to a prophet, one of the tools I use is I give that prophet dreams for them to be able to see the future, for them to be able to know what's coming or know what is important to me in this hour, know what to speak. Sometimes the Lord uses dreams to tell us the future. I'll just tell you this. If you've never had that happen, that's okay. Just don't die that way. Go after it. I'm telling you, it's the coolest thing ever when the Lord gives you a dream and then a week later, a year later, it happens. And you go, is this deja vu? I've, I've been here before. This is actually happening. It's the wildest thing ever. And I want to tell you, according to your Bible, this is part of the package we have in Christ. God can tell you the future while you're asleep. That's just so next level nuts. I mean, I can't even handle that. That God would tell us the future while we're zonked out, head on pillow, and all of a sudden we become the pillow prophet. You know, we got the word of the Lord. We're just asleep and don't even know it yet. To warn us. Gave you a couple of those dreams already. Sometimes the Lord, can, the Lord can warn us in a dream. You're marching along in life, and you don't know that something really negative is about to happen or a decision you're about to make could really wind up costing you. The Lord can give dreams to warn us. What a kindness. I mean, that we wouldn't have otherwise known it. It's actually one of the primary, it's not the only, but it's one of the primary ways that the Lord uses dreams is actually to warn, at least in the Bible. He uses it all the time. Remember Abimelech? Hey, Abimelech, I'd kind of like to not kill you tomorrow, but you better let that woman go. Otherwise, we're going to have a problem. And he gave him some information. He warned him about it, and Abimelech responded. And guess what? Abimelech did not die. Praise the Lord to help us respond rightly. Oh, there's times where we have dreams and the Lord is actually revealing some circumstances in our hearts, some situations in our life that he wants us to respond this way. But our natural tendency would probably be to respond this way. And he's actually instructing. He's helping us to know how to navigate a relationship, a situation, a, you know, some circumstance. Now, I want to be, you know, very transparent. You might be in the room today and go, all that sounds great. I've never had any of that happen to me before. That's okay. But I want to advertise you can. This is part of the package. You can have this stuff happen. But it's not default. <laughs> Pretty much like everything in the kingdom. Like, it always costs a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, like, if we want to experience this or we want to go after this, your salvation is free. You could not have worked for that. You could not have gotten it. There's no way. But the Lord desires partnership, and partnership can sometimes be costly. 
I remember all the details of starting this church. And it was costly. There were costly things we did. Did you know this church used to meet in a funeral home? Because we did. It was costly. It was costly, brothers and sisters. I'm telling you, it was a tough run. But we had to do that to get to this point. To be able to get to a point to be able to launch churches out of here. It's costly. So the kingdom of God is costly. That's not news to us. But I want to just advertise this morning that God communicates to us in dreams, but it does require some partnership. Let me tell you, though, what I enjoy about dreams more than all the above things, helping us understand ourselves better, encouraging us, confirming things, telling us the future, warning us, helping us respond rightly, more than all that. I love the friendship aspect. It's God talking to us. And whatever cool thing he's talking to us about, to me, is totally secondary. It's totally secondary. It's the fact that God's talking. He knows me. He knew which bed I was in. I mean, to give me a dream, he found me in the night. And he gave me a dream. That is the coolest thing ever. I don't ever want to cease to be fascinated by a God who loves relationship. I don't ever want to cease to be blown away by the reality that God reaches down to speak to us, to lead us, to help us. This morning, I'm going to share a few dreams. But here's really, here's the message today. We want what the Bible says we can have. The Bible says we can have dreams. It's part of the package. I'm going to share a few. So I'm going to give you a few examples. This is a dream where I don't know how else to communicate what God was saying to me. I mean, to this day, I'm like, I don't think there was any point besides, hey, Brad, I'm here. I mean, I just think it was like, I'm with you. I'm your buddy. I'm here. I can't think of another reason why I would have had this dream. We were in the middle of a remodel some years back, and uh, I'm asleep, and I have a dream that this guy named Bernie, I love Bernie, this guy named Bernie is going to call me And when he calls me, he's going to tell me, hey, Brad, the contractor that's working on the project, he needs the credit card so he can go to Home Depot and buy some stuff. That's the dream. That's the whole dream. I wake up to my phone ringing. It's Bernie. Hey, Brad, it's Bernie. What? Hi. Hey, Brad, the contractor needs the credit card so he can go to Home Depot and buy some stuff. Can I come get the credit card? What just happened? Yes? What? Did we already have this conversation? Did you, did you call me a minute ago? No. This is so weird. I just, I don't know what to make of that except it's like God is playful. Have you ever seen a duck-billed platypus? He made that. He invented that thing. So anybody that wants to say, oh, God's not playful, just go stare at that critter and you tell me. Okay? God is playful. It's just like, I have the dream, I wake up to the thing happening in real life, 10 seconds later or one second later. It was bizarre. Another dream. This was to encourage, but it wasn't to encourage me. So in 2013, I had this dream. It was really odd. There was a couple in our church. They were pregnant, and they were just about to have a baby. And we knew the baby was coming probably like any day, okay? In the dream, they're coming over to our house, and it's like they'd already come home from the hospital, and they've got the baby, and it's all excited. Uh, We're all excited. Well, we knew the baby was a baby boy. But they walk up, and they're carrying a, like, 10 or 11-year-old girl in their arms. And they're like, this is our baby. And I was like, that ain't your baby. I was like, you, one, you had a 
you're having a boy. So there's something. And how did that baby come out 10 years old? And a girl. I mean, this is just super weird. Have that dream in, in 2013 about this couple. Well, years go by. Everybody's just like, I told a few people the dream. They're like, I don't know, Brad. It doesn't make any sense to me. A few years go by. They're in the process right now of adopting, because of some really incredible circumstances, adopting their 11-year-old niece. Oh, in the dream, I forgot to tell you. In the dream, the girl looked like the mom. And it was really interesting. Looked like the mom. Well, it just so happens my sweet friend's niece looks just like her. And she's 10 or 11 years old. And here we are now able to point back. Now, check this out. Imagine you're that girl. You're coming from a broken home. You're in a broken situation. You need to be encouraged and know that God's got you and you're being planted in the right community. And you go, oh, you know what? Somebody in our community actually had a dream about you seven years ago. About you being brought home and da-da-da-da. Could you just imagine being that young lady? And being touched and going, this is awesome. I mean, you better believe she thinks dreams are real. Right? Okay. Give you another one. This is a warning dream. It's really interesting. Sometimes, you know, when you're in a community that believes in the move of the Holy Spirit, you unfortunately also get to believe in the move of other spirits. Whether you want to or not, the enemy is real. He's, he's, he causes problems. And he attacks spiritual communities from time to time. Well, my wife and I, we both wake up one morning and I say to her, hey, I just had a really kind of disturbing dream. She says, I just had a disturbing dream. I said, okay. I let her tell me the dream. She tells me the dream. It's about a very specific attack that's going to come against our community. And I was like, oh my gosh. She said, well, tell me yours. Is the same dream. So both of us the same night had the same dream about the same thing, about a warning of a spiritual attack that was going to come to our community. And it was about division and, you know, and divisiveness and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of like the enemy does that all the time, right? But there was a real attack, and I'll be darned, man, next week, the week after, we had that, but we'd already warned our leaders. Hey, guys, Amy and I both had this dream. We feel like the Lord's going to, uh, you know, protect us through this. Let's be aware of these types of warning signs when they start to show up around here. And a week later, the leadership team's going, that's the word, man. I just heard this from so-and-so. I'm feeling this in my heart. It was such a help to us. Oh, my gosh, Lord, thank you that you give warnings to your people. I love it. This is a great one for discipleship. Okay, this is a correction dream, but it wasn't a correction dream for me. It was a correction dream for somebody I was praying for. Okay, I, I don't know about you guys, but in small group ministry, sometimes you just, you got, you got to figure out a way to get the knucklehead hit on the head, you know? It's just part of life. It's just discipleship is messy, okay? And I was in a situation where uh, somebody that I was ministering to, they were really struggling with something, and it was something they shouldn't have been struggling with. And I don't mean some heinous sin. I mean, they were just mean. <laughs> it's just, I mean, they were just being ornery. And I was like, Lord, convict them about this anger. Convict them about this situation. Convict them that they're being prideful in this thing and that they need to be humble. And I'm praying it, you know, and I don't know exactly what I'm praying for. I just know in my flesh, I'm frustrated with trying to help this person to be humble, honestly. And it's, a, it's like a week later, they call me. They said, hey, Brad, I just had this dream. Go, okay. And they tell me the dream, and it's the Lord rebuking them for being prideful and the Lord telling them they need to be humble. And I was like, this is the greatest. I can do this. If this is what discipleship looks like, all I got to do is pray for somebody else to go to sleep and God touch them. Oh, man, we got this. I'll be the best pastor ever. 
you know? This is part of what's available to us. I mean, how crazy is that? <laughs> Give you one or two more. All right, so I was a missionary in Africa. I was a missionary in the nation of Mali for a season of time, and I felt the Lord speaking to me that it was time for me to come off the mission field and come back uh, to uh, Arlington, because that's, that's where I live. And I was really not excited about that. I was out in the mission field seeing God do stuff, that stuff that Sean was talking about earlier, seeing people touched and salvations and the move of God. I was out there doing the stuff, and the thought process of coming back to Arlington was kind of like, and do what? Sit on the couch? It was like, be an American? Like, I, I'm out here doing this stuff. But the Lord wanted me to come back, actually, so that I could get connected with Pastor Adam, so that I could be a part of the foundation of Church on the Hill, so that I could start the prayer ministry. So, that, I mean, all of that, it was all part of the package. But just one little point, little side point. Let's just follow God and try not to lean on our own understanding. We're just not smart enough to figure it out. He's way smarter than us. He knows the future. He just, we just take our steps. Well, I'm in this wrestle with God because I feel like I'm supposed to come off the mission field. But I just don't, I don't want to. And I really want to know that it's the Lord. So I said, Lord, you don't have to do this but it would be really sweet if you would do this for me. Would you give somebody in America a dream about me coming home early off the mission field? And Lord, if, if I've got the timing right, like I'm supposed to come off the mission field now, would you let that dream, everything in it, be the color red? Who prays such things? A crazy person. I said, Lord, let everything in the, red, in the dream be red. I go, but Lord, if I'm right, I'm supposed to come off the mission field. I have the timing wrong, though. It's not right now. It's six months from now. It's a year from now. It's a little ways down the road. Then, Lord, would you give somebody in America a dream about me coming home early off the mission field and let everything in the dream be blue? And I journaled it. I wrote it down. Yes, I did. I wrote it down. Now, I don't tell a soul back home that I'm thinking about coming off the mission field and coming back home. I don't tell anybody. When I went, everybody thought I was a lifer. I thought I was a lifer. I thought I was going to be in the mission field for the rest of my life. So a week later... And I get an email. There was this little internet cafe I was able to check out with the worst dial-up connection speed ever. It was the most painful thing in existence. I think I'd rather lose a finger than do that internet connection one more time. And so I go and I check my email. It's about a week later. And it's one of my old students from when I'd been doing youth ministry in a church that didn't believe that God spoke in dreams. Let's just say it that way. And this uh, old student of mine emails me. And she says, Brad, hey, um, I know some people's dreams mean something. Mine never do. But I had a really fun dream about you, and I wanted to share it with you. It was a really short dream about you coming home from Africa early. And the strangest thing, everything in the dream was the color red. The walls were red. Your shirt was red. Your face was red. Everything was red. Does that mean something? Wow. Oh, my gosh, yes. It means that God listens to us. He actually has ears. God has ears. And he hears us when we ask for the most ridiculous stuff. And here, he's giving someone else a dream to help me know I'm supposed to make the most massive life transition imaginable. But remember, I didn't put God in an arm bar. I didn't make it an ultimatum. I said, God, it'd be so sweet if you'd do it this way. You don't have to. You can speak any way you want. I'll follow you. But this would, like, really go like over the top and really help me. And do you know the Lord was willing to do it? He gave the dream. See, this is, I'm just trying to advertise some ways God speaks. I'm just trying to tell you this thing is real. Well, dreams are for all. We can all have dreams. 
but it's not the default. I mean, I think some of us might be having dreams and we're not really necessarily paying attention to them. Others, you might go, I don't really think I'm having any dreams at all. But why don't we look at that as a problem instead of just life? Why don't we identify that and go, I mean, if, if we had some issue in our life, we wouldn't just write it off and go, well, that's just how I am. I'm just the non-dreamer. Well, don't be the non-dreamer anymore. Be the dreamer. Let's just go after it. Let's ask God. I mean, it's in the Bible. We, we've got the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We can ask God for, for his spirit. It's a kingdom principle, though. If we apply what we see in the Bible, we get to experience more of the Bible. Great example. Tithing. Okay? If you tithe, there's promises about God blessing your finances and you getting to encounter God because you gave away money. If you don't give away money, God still loves you, but you don't get to encounter God that way. Well, that's the way that it is in the whole kingdom. There's stuff in the Bible that says, hey, if you do this, I'll let you experience me in this way. This is one of those. We've got to, here's, here's what you do, though. We've got to start asking for it. We've got to start asking God to speak to us. Let's put up that, that last verse. We're going to close out here in just a minute. Proverbs 25, verse 2. <laughs> Look at this. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. He's so big and smart and able. He plays chess, 10-dimensional chess all the time. He knows how to conceal a matter. But check this. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. God conceals stuff. He actually makes dreams a little confusing on purpose. But don't let that confusing thing keep you from understanding. Because the word of God says, if you seek me, you will find me. The, the word of God says, seek, ask, knock. <laughs> the word of God says, ask, and it will be given to you. I mean, we got a thousand verses that tell us Hey, just because Jehovah Sneaky is playing tricksy games in the night and he's making the word that he's giving you mysterious or veiled or requiring a little bit of interpretation, don't give up. There actually might be the greatest treasures you've ever encountered in your life hidden within the messages of those dreams that we've been dismissing because it took a little work or because it didn't make much sense to us or because I'm not a dreamer. That's, that's my friend. They're the dreamer, not me. No, you can be the dreamer. You can be the dreamer. I'll give you a couple of points of encouragement. Start asking God to give you dreams. Just ask him every day. First words out of your mouth in the morning if you want. Or words when you go to bed. God, I'm about to go to bed. I'm right here. You can get me. Second, start writing down every dream you have. This is going to take a little bit of work, but it's worth it. Here's why you want to write it down. When you write it down, you'll get more understanding. When you write it down, you'll remember more details. And here's the thing. If you write it down, you can start to reference, oh my goodness, God's developing a trend, a theme. He speaks to me about this thing all the time. What does that mean? And the Lord wants to speak to you through those themes. But you don't even know those themes if you haven't been paying attention to them. Best way to pay attention to them, write them down. And then third, start asking the Lord to help you understand the dreams that you're having. Oh God, I had this dream. Now what? What do I do? What's next? Listen, I, I just I want to leave you with this. He gives dreams, and you can have them if you want them. When you get them, sometimes it takes a little bit of work. Don't let that stop you. Be one of the hungry ones. Pray about it. Write it down. Get more clarity on it. Again, pray, write, and ask God for the interpretation. Hey, guys, wasn't that a great word today? 
You know, I'm so thankful that the word isn't limited to a Sunday morning at a certain time or the four walls of the church building, but it can go through whatever time you may be watching this, wherever venue you might be at. The word of God can minister to you no matter where you are. You know, if you're interested in partnering with what Church on the Hill is doing, not only locally, but globally, you say, I really want to invest with that, with Church on the Hill in advancing kingdom business. You can do so by partnering with us by sending a donation to P.O. Box 3815, Cedar Hill, Texas, 75106. Hey guys, we love you. We look forward to seeing you again.